Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing 12 common retirement mistakes that even well-informed individuals make. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. You know, Brian, there are a lot of strong opinions out there when it comes to retirement strategies, and I've compiled a list here of 12 common retirement mistakes that, as I understand it, many people make. And I'd like to go through these with you on today's show so that you can offer our listeners some context so that they can make the right decisions for themselves. So these are 12 common retirement mistakes that even well-informed people like our listeners make. Number one is claiming Social Security too early. I think that's an all-too-common problem. Yeah, this is a big question for people, and I just kind of wanted to frame, I I hope that anybody listening to the show today can listen to much of it or all of it, because there'll probably invariably be a couple things that uh, you go, hmm, he's talking about me right now, and that's the goal today. Financial planning is so much more than just, gee, should you put your money in the the Vanguard target index or the Fidelity target index? You know, that's just investing in the markets. That's kind of the easy part of what we do. It's the other stuff that differentiates us is is why you would hire a financial advisor. Uh, Not only do we have access to things that you just can't access on your own, but we have experience and then, of course, tax background and estate planning, and et cetera, et cetera. But all of this together, basically, it's, it's things you just can't do on your own. You, you can't create experience on your own. The experience that we have, you know, working with hundreds and hundreds of clients uh, over many decades and so forth. And again, access to product. But the, the question that you asked was claiming Social Security too early. Now, I was just having a conversation with one of my advisors about this, and this is a huge question because it's something I've basically everybody at some point in their life. When do I take Social Security? So I can say unequivocally that there are a couple of data points that we can know about, and there's a whole bunch that we cannot. So there is no right or wrong answer necessarily. Well, so there are a couple of wrong answers. I'll give you that. But okay. there's a couple of data points, you know, because one way I could say it is, well, I can answer that question unequivocally if you just tell me a few things. How long are you going to live? Mm-hmm. How long is your spouse going to live? What's inflation going to do to your money? What are your investment returns the rest of your life? And what's your quality of life and health <laughs> during your latter years? I'm mean, like, I don't know the answer to any of those. Yeah, neither do I. And that's kind of what we have to know to get it absolutely right. So we can do our best to figure out that. But claiming Social Security too early, if you claim it between age 62 and full retirement age, every year you wait, you get a lifetime 6.5% raise on all your future checks. And after full retirement age till age 70, the annual increase is 8% a year permanently for all of your future checks. The rub is you got to give up 12 monthly checks to get that raise. And so that's that's the decision. Now, every software that I would punch this stuff into would say, wait, if you believe you're going to live longer than, say, 80 years old. You'll have more money if you wait and claim it at age 70 rather than full retirement age or at age 62. However, there is something called time value of money. And one of the questions I ask, I ask a silly question. I say, would you rather have $10,000 when you're 65 or a million when you're 100 and you can't leave any in legacy? You have to Mm -hmm. spend it. And people go, huh, I'd probably rather have 10,000 at 65 because what am I gonna do with a million dollars if I'm 100, even if I make it that far? I said, well, the computer software says wait till 100 because the rate of return is much higher. But the computer doesn't understand that as we age, money loses 
its value to some degree to us. Right. I, I know 80-something-year-olds, 90-something-year-olds, 100-year-olds, they really don't care that much. I mean, they, they think it's nice that they got a bunch of numbers on their financial statement, but it, it doesn't really affect their life too much. They're like, well, I'm living the way I'm living. Uh, that's not going to change regardless if I have another half million or don't have a half million in on my you know, bank statement or my account statement. And so time value money is really critical in all of this. And, you know, there, then there's other decisions to make. For instance, uh, if you're single, you might want to take it earlier. Or let's say that somebody says, well, you told me to wait because I have longevity in my family. Problem is I don't have any income Mm -hmm. and I don't know what I'm going to eat. Well, okay, then you might want to take it early too. So there's a lot that goes into the decision about when to claim Social Security, but a huge one is claiming it too early or waiting too long. I mean, either way, it could could be a a wrong one. You want to get all the data points and the right questions asked and answered as best you can when making that decision. So claiming Social Security too early, one of the retirement mistakes that even well-informed individuals make. The next one, Brian, is going to be continuing to work after you claim Social Security. Yeah, here's a situation, you know, if, if you start taking Social Security, let's say you retired at, let's well, say, 62, and you go, okay, I'm going to take Social Security, and I'm never going back to that job. Let's say it's a Boeing, because this has happened with several of my Boeing people. I said, is there any chance you're going to go back to work? Said, Not a chance. There's no <laughs> way I am going back to work. Yep. And so, okay, well, and then they take their Social Security, and sure enough, 13 months later, they go, <laughs> Uh, Brian, yeah, I just got this offer as a consultant, and you know I'm kind of bored with golfing every single day. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I ten, twelve hours of, uh, a week, and and they're going to pay me two and a half times what I used to make per hour at Boeing, and it's a really good gig. What can I do here? I'm like, wow, you can give back your Social Security and not get any raises for a <laughs> long time. And they're like, what? Yeah, if if you don't give it back in the first twelve months of claiming it, you can't reverse that anymore. And if you make too much, which you know often they would, if they make more than say twenty one thousand dollars a year, they got to start giving it all back, and then they don't get the raises, and that's a terrible mistake. And so I caution people: give yourself a little time in retirement to absolutely say, I'm not going to go back. And maybe you're not going back to your old job, but there might be something else of interest to you that pays more than 21000 a year. Right. That's a pretty low threshold. And it's interesting that we want people out of the workplace between age 62 and 67. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay if you're 67, you can make as much as you want mm-hmm. and claim it and not give it back. But until full retirement age, 67 for most of us, then you got to start giving it back. And that could be a huge problem and kind of life chain. Well, I want to go back to work. I want the extra money. I don't want to be bored. But I made a terrible financial decision by claiming it too early and not giving myself a chance to figure out what my retirement looks like. So one of the things I would just mention, again, on that is if you're contemplating retirement, give yourself some time before you make any big, big decisions. See what that looks like. It is very different from working, commuting and working all those hours and, and then trying to squeeze in all your fun on a weekend or whatever, and your chores and so forth. Retirement's different, but give yourself some time. Test it out. Take it for a test drive. Right. Test drive for a year Mm -hmm. and then reassess. You're going to probably make a lot better decision. And what do you lose if you spent one year, you know, and and then at the end of it go, no, I really am not going to go back to work. I'll take Social Security now. Well, you got a 6.5% raise for life and you're probably better off having done that. And you may still want to wait depending on your other income sources. And again, for most people listening to the program, their full retirement age will be between 66 and half and 70 years of age approximately. But again, you can go to ssa.gov and uh, simply look into your estimated retirement benefits. But that earnings cap, if you're not full retirement age, is going to be $21,240. If you go over that, you've got to give back a dollar for every $2 that you make over that. Next common retirement mistake that even well-informed individuals make, Brian, is carrying debt into retirement or paying off debt when you retire. Every one of these questions has discussion points where the answer could go either way. If I had two couples come in one right after the other, same age, same everything, I might give a different answer to each one. So claiming Social Security too early, a couple could come in and I find out that one of them has longevity. And let's say that uh, the male has been working and his wife raised the kids. And so her Social Security benefit's very low. He might be older. He might be in poor health. And normally you say, well, you better take that Social Security early. And I'm saying the opposite. I'm 
I'm saying, well, might want to wait here because if you pass away before her and she's got longevity in her family and, you know, I know a lot of widows have been around for 10, 15, 20 years without their husband. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're happy if they're getting a much higher Social Security check for all those years because their husband waited rather than taking it early and limiting how much they can take out. The next couple could come in and be a different set of circumstances. You know, they both were working and, and they're in good health and he has longevity in the family. I'd say, okay, well, this might be a different rationale for, for decision making and so forth. So the question here was carrying debt into retirement. Now, I did want to preface also, there's good debt and bad debt. We talked about that on the show. If you listen to uh, certain people, they, they'll say, okay, never go into debt. Put all your money in an envelope and just spend from the envelope. I'm, okay, well, that's a good start. I hope my kids pay attention to that. I need to do that. <laughs> but, you know, bad debt to me is pretty easy to define. It's something that uh, if I borrow this money and put it into something, is that something going to be awesome in 10 years or not? If it's your car, no. No. If it's a trip, no. If it's going out, no. Uh, you're not going to have it, that in 10 years. Is it uh, buying clothes and shoes? No, they're going to be worn out. They're going to be at goodwill. So bad debt. Good debt is your first house. Okay, that's, that's good debt. It's a SBA loan on your business. That's good debt. A mortgage on a rental house that you bought and you're fixing up and going to hold long term. That's good debt. So good debt needs to create value through leverage for later on. And so those are things that would be better in 10 years. You you know, you bought a house 10 years ago, it's probably gone up in value. So that was a good thing. Your business, hopefully it's successful. We're in a good time for starting a business. Uh, whether it's a rental house, probably gone up in value. So these are things that I consider good debt. So I did want to define that before I say, just pay off all your debt before you retire. Well, not necessarily. Because some people do carry low mortgage rates into retirement knowing they have the ability and wherewithal to pay it off whenever they want. So as long as you have that, then what's the rush? If you feel like you're investing well and you're doing better than the interest on your debt, then it's okay to do that. Some people, though, love the idea that come to me and I, and I encourage them all the time. And they said, well, I only have a 3.5% mortgage, and I know I can get a couple percent more in a fixed investment type account. But, you know, it just bugs me every day of my life to wake up knowing I have a mortgage and I owe somebody some money and I'm retired. I say, yeah, that's common. So here's a non-financial decision. Pay off the mortgage. Feel better. And it's okay to do that. It is okay to do that. And then they're, oh, thank you. You know, it's almost like a breath of fresh air. They, yeah. they feel free. And freedom is an important emotion to encourage. So just because on paper, the computer, you know, if we were doing AI investing here, which I've been reading about lately, that artificial intelligence is supposed to take over our jobs. Well, that ain't going to happen. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. No, because it's things like this on paper. Yeah. The computer would say absolutely never pay off your mortgages because you can get more in a fixed annuity or whatever. And I'm saying, well, you're missing the point here. It's it's about how we feel in retirement about right. our finances. Right. And if you feel like you're going to be free and stress-free and, and so forth, and your spouse is freaking out because the mortgage is still there, they got to pay every month and nobody's working, well, then pay it off. <laughs> you know, it's okay. And so there is a decision, part of the decision tree that is a non-financial as opposed to the financial decision-making. So we defined, you know, is it good to have no debt in retirement? Well, I think basically we can assume yes. But if you do carry some debt, do you have to pay it off? No. But sometimes you may want to for, again, for non-financial reasons. And, you know, some people have debt and they aren't investing and they they don't have it invested well. And so I'd say, well, in your case, go for the sure thing. Get rid of that mortgage payment. That improves our cash flow in retirement because you don't have a mortgage anymore. And a lot of people, well, I can't pay off my mortgage because of the tax benefits. I'm like, well, wait a second there. We have a very high standard deduction. Most of the interest that you pay on your mortgage typically is non-deductible because right. you were, you're getting that deduction anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, that's a very common mistake. I've seen this many times where somebody would come in and, and they've been carrying a mortgage year after year after year, knowing they have money just earning nothing that they could have used to pay it off, stressing out their cash flow, stressing out each other a little bit, yet they claim that the only reason they have the mortgage is for tax reasons. And I, then I let them know, I said, <laughs> 
really, I, I tell them the exact dollar amount they're saving, you know, it might be $300. You know, it's like, that's it? I've been carrying this mortgage for five years because I didn't know the question to ask. So, you know, this, this show is called 12 Common Retirement Mistakes Even Well-Informed Individuals Make. <laughs> yeah. That is one that has happened over and over. And, that, and just one other point on all this, you know, we're just into three of these so far, but I've had so many discussions on every one of these and yeah. just light bulb after light bulb after light bulb goes on when, when people come in and get their 30-point analysis. And mm. we're just you know scratching the surface today. We, we certainly can't cover the 30 points in one show, but gosh, it's life-changing uh, over and over. People that come in and get that 30-point analysis, and we can talk through each one of these things, and, and people can see things from a different perspective sometimes. Well, Brian, I'm sure based on our conversation that people do have some questions about these 12 common retirement mistakes that people make. And of course, you did talk about that 30-point analysis, so I want to open the phone lines right now so that people can request their personalized 30-point analysis. If you'd like an in-depth review of your plan and portfolio, call this number, 833-673-7373. You can do it right now and request your 30-point analysis. If you're concerned about current market conditions, potential tax increases, again, that number, 833-673-7373 right now and request your Madrona 30-point analysis. Once again, that number is 833-673-7373. Brian, I want to continue our conversation here about the 12 common retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make, like our listeners out there. The next one is going to be being too conservative or being too aggressive in the market. Can you comment on that? Absolutely. So this is an interesting one because uh, what do you mean being too conservative can be a retirement mistake? Isn't that the epitome of being careful and, and prudent? No, because there's a couple things that at play here. One is inflation. And another is that investments typically go up over time. It's hard to time a market, but time in the market can make all the difference. So one example I have of that is somebody that was too conservative. She came to me, and I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, I think it's important to bring this one up, because a real life lesson here. Because you know, it's supposed to be about retirement mistakes. This might be your kids making a mistake, or if you're younger, uh, something you want to listen to. So she said, I've been working for the city for 35 years. All my cohorts are uh, retiring right now. Their 403B is is up to a million dollars. And I've been putting away just like them this whole time. And I'm looking at mine and I have $150,000 and I, it looks like I have to work the rest of my life. What is wrong with this picture? I said, can I see your statement? She said, sure. And I looked at it and I said, you're in cash. She goes, yeah, yeah, I, I'm scared of them. I've been scared of the market my whole life. And I said, you've been in this your whole life. Yeah, yeah. I said, you, well, you put in $150,000. It's worth $150,000. And you got no investment gains. She goes, yeah, because the markets are terrible. I said, well, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't think I said this to her. But unfortunately, when she started work, the Dow Jones was about 1000 and now it's in the mid 30,000s. And had she just put it in any mix of any, pretty much anything that they offered, she would have had the million dollars too, like her cohorts, and her life would be different. So now I'm sitting there with a 65-year-old woman who has $150,000 for her entire retirement and a small Social Security check. Hmm. And I'm trying to advise, I'm, you know, it's like, wow, uh, I... I don't have a time machine here. I, there wasn't much I could do because if she was nervous about the market when she was 30, imagine how nervous she is at 65. Right. So there's no putting her into anything at this point. And whatever I put her into wouldn't generate enough cash flow for her to not have to work the rest of her life. So it was a sad, sad situation and so easily preventable. What if you have this conversation, tell this story to your kid, or if you're young, tell the story to yourself. <laughs> Be your older self talking to your younger self going, yeah, if you got time in the market, you'll be fine. So go ahead and put it in the market in you know, your retirement accounts, your 401ks, your 403bs, 457s, through savings, whatever it is. Put that money in the market. Let it do its thing if you have time in the market and you'll be better off. Like I said, the Dow was 1,000, 2,000 when I started work and now it's 30 something thousand. And, and so they go up but not in a straight line. But that's okay when you have time on your side. And so being too conservative is one of the, the worst things. And another one on being too conservative that's especially applicable to retirees right now, almost invariably, when I see somebody new and I look at their statements, I say, you got a lot of money in cash here, right? They go, yeah. How much are you earning on that? Oh, not very good. And, and I'm like, yeah. 
having cash is fine. But would you like to get, you know, maybe well, I did this for my uncle recently. I, I looked at his high yield savings account and it wasn't high yield. <laughs> the word said that. <laughs> yeah. But when you went down to the APR, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and he was literally making $6,000 a year in interest. And I said, how would you like to make 65000 a year? He was like, well, do I have to take a lot of risk? Uh, no, a fixed annuity. Yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy, easy switch. You got plenty of liquidity. We don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, I mean, so underperforming cash accounts is a huge retirement mistake right now. I saw another one and she's like, I always roll over my savings in the CDs at, at Wells Fargo and I, I keep rolling it over so I can get a good interest rate. And it, it broke my heart to see she's getting 0.1%. Wow. One tenth of 1%. Oh my gosh. And, and when you go online, the bank's offering, you know, I don't know, 20 times that for anybody, but their existing clients, they were just like rolling them over at this ridiculously low rate. And I was looking at that going, are you kidding me? (laughs) That's that's (laughs) terrible. So be careful about your CDs. They're rolling over. If if they're not the right rate, we can fix that. That's something we can do. Now, you can't do that on your own. Another one of those, you can't do this on your own. Well, why not, Brian? Why are you so special? Well, because I'm licensed. Right. And it's just the way it is. I mean, I can access products that unlicensed people can't do it yourselfers cannot do most of the stuff we talk about on the radio and that's why we talk about it if this were easy and anybody could access it i maybe i wouldn't have a job jeff you know <laughs> people didn't need advice or access to products uh they do need advice they need experience and they also need access to products they can't on their own so again we offer something you can't do on your own so the smartest do-it-yourself in the world who isn't licensed can't do what we're talking about on this show so here's another example of being too conservative can nip you in many different ways. So just address everything in your portfolio. Have a talk with your kids about certain things. And oh, here's another one that my famous one on talking to your kids. It's the I keep hearing about people that don't have money put away for their retirement. And there's always something there, whether it's a pack of cigarettes a day, which isn't yeah. as often anymore, or it's it's the two lattes, or it's the whatever, whatever. How about a sleeve um, tattoo? You got tattoos all over your back. That's well, important. Uh, the thing about <laughs> sleeve tattoos is you don't do them every every day of your life. No, hopefully. you don't. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but it's those those daily things that we don't even pay much attention to. Right, uh, right, right. If you had been able to put that in a 401k plan, sure. uh, you know, I wrote that article, the million dollar latte. Uh, two right. lattes a day from age 25 to 65, you put in your 401k, you, you'd have over a million dollars. So compounding, that's another thing we we, we should teach our, our kids in school is compounding, not, not some of the other stuff we're, we're learning about. But interest compounding is, is huge. Investment compounding is huge. But yeah, being too conservative and not being disciplined that way as funny as it sounds, being too conservative can hurt your retirement because even in retirement, you say, well, that's fine up till I retire, but now that I'm retired, I have to be conservative. And I've had this discussion too, where a person says, I, I got to take it all out of the market because now I'm retired. And so I, I can't take any risk. And I said, well, how old are you? And I was 62. I said, are you going to die next year? And I'm, well, well, no, I, I plan on living in my 90s. I'm like, Huh, that sounds like 30 years. 30 years, you know, you're telling me we need to have a one month or a one year investment strategy for a 30 year retirement. That doesn't align. There are parts of your investment strategy that should be designed for the zero to three years ahead. And then some for the three to five and some for the five to 10. But there's also, if you plan on living a long time, a long-term component to your investment portfolio. That's why we can take more risky, you know, defined as more risky stock market or real estate type investments within a conservative portfolio even, because we're going to allocate a certain amount of our investment strategy to long-term to match your long-term goals. So that that money has grown by the time you actually need it. Your short-term money, not so much. It's going to be more on liquidity and cash flow. Your long-term money is going to be on growth. We're going to marry all these different objectives when we're doing our 30-point analysis. You know, Once you become a client, we can do that and access products you can't, as I mentioned, to align with your goals. And, and not everybody has just one goal. I mean, I have multiple goals. I have a certain goal for the next three years of my life, a certain goal mm-hmm. for the next 10 financially, and a certain goal from 10 forward. They're all different. So uh, your investment should reflect that when you're putting together a plan. 
If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, and we're talking about 12 retirement mistakes that people make who are otherwise well-informed. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You're going to find this show and all of our past shows. You can stay on top of your wealth and your journey to a successful retirement. And again, if you'd like your 30-point Madrona analysis, no cost, no obligation for that, call 833-673-7373. It's 833-673-7373. One call could make all the difference. You can also request your 30-point analysis online at madronafinancial.com. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion of 12 common retirement mistakes even well-informed individuals make. And Brian, we left off last segment with talking about being too conservative in retirement, but there's another side of this coin too, and it's being too aggressive in retirement. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Being too aggressive in retirement is, again, aligning your goals with what you actually have. So if you have all your money in the market or tied up in in long-term investments and you're retired and you haven't really planned for cash flow, then we have a misalignment. You know, there's there's certain things that investments can do Mm -hmm. and you got to have some cash flow to have a successful retirement. And so if you take too much risk, the way I see the risk being too aggressive often is where somebody says, hey, this thing's gone way up, I'm going to buy it. And so they put a whole bunch of money into crypto a, a year ago or whatever, and it was the wrong time. So they're trying to time the market. So that, that to me is being very aggressive as opposed to time in the market. Again, that's a whole different thing. But timing different things, buying like that can be where I see portfolios get messed up sometimes because often our timing is pretty backwards. People were clamoring for stock market investments in 2005, 2006, because it was just going up, up, up. And then I never got as many new clients ever as I did in 2007. And well, we know what happened after that, 2008. Right, right. And so people, for the first time, they're watching all their friends and neighbors get rich in the stock market. And they're going, I need to get into this. I need to get all my money into that. They did. And a month later, market crashes. I saw that in 1999 too. People were just throwing money at the NASDAQ. It was up nearly 100% that year. And it was just, you know, rational exuberance. Everybody's throwing all their, taking money from their mattress, wherever they were getting it, (laughs) throwing it into the market only to see a three-year crash happen with the dot-com, 9-11, all of that recession, all of that. They're going, wow, I wish I just stayed on the sidelines. So being too aggressive is a problem, especially if you don't take care of the next point we're going to make. Right. So there's a happy balance between being too aggressive and being too conservative. And let's talk about that next point here. And that is failing to be diversified. And then we have to define diversification. And my story on that that I've shared before on this show is a fellow that I asked him specifically, he says, I do my own investing and I'm very diversified. I'm like, oh, okay. What, what are you diversified in? I have stocks in Dell and, and Intel and Microsoft and Apple and et cetera. And named all the components of a computer and software. And I'm like, well, that's not what I mean (laughs) by diversified. Or even if you say, well, I have a stock bond portfolio. Okay, that's diversification 101. Any do-it-yourselfer can do that. Okay, that's a start. But what about other things? What about the other investment categories? Do you have adequate cash and cash equivalents for liquidity and your short-term plan? I understand you have stocks and bonds. Uh, Do you have investment real estate? Do you have any safe investments like insurance company products or lifetime cash flow from insurance company products? Do you have any alternative investments? What's your mix of those? Are you diversified within each of those? Because let's say you had a non-diversified bond portfolio and you went out a year and a half ago and bought a 30-year treasury that paid you, I don't know, 3%, whatever and then you you checked its value a year later and you go, wow, I lost 30% on a 30-year treasury in one year. How in the world does that happen? Well, it did. You weren't diversified in your bond holdings. You, you should have short-term, intermediate, and long-term corporate bonds, government, you know, et cetera. So there's diversification within diversification. And the diversification I'm talking about typically on this show is diversifying into asset classes you cannot buy on your own. 
whether that's fixed index annuities for lifetime cash flow or guaranteed yields or to protect against losses, a universal life for tax-free cash flow and retirement or tax-free death benefits. Uh, it could be uh, structured notes. It could be private non-traded equity or debt REITs, private equity funds, uh, development funds, you name it, Delaware Statutory Trust, another one you can't do on your own, opportunity zone investing, all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that a do-it-yourselfer just cannot access on their own. So we talk about that on the show, but a truly diversified portfolio would have aspects of most of those categories I just mentioned. And I would assume most people listening going, hmm, I don't even know what half those are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's one of the issues that we're able to solve when people come in and, and get their 30 point analysis and we review their portfolio and make the necessary adjustments. We're resolving those things. We're looking at what's not right, what's not diversified in a portfolio and getting it to the right spot with products, you know, that we have access to so that our clients don't have negative consequences to the inevitable market shifts, whether it's a bond market, the stock market, the real estate market, whatever, there are market shifts that happen. And as I mentioned that on the real estate end, one person I was investing his money his whole life and he passed away, left $3 million to his kid. His kid decided not to be diversified, went out in 2007 and bought, I think, 12 houses in mm. Phoenix. Yeah. And by 2008, uh, his $3 million lifetime savings that was inherited by her was completely gone and she wow. went bankrupt. So wow. diversification is important. I tried to have that conversation with her. I really, really tried. I tried to have that conversation with the, the widow that the attorney asked me to meet with who had $3 million of stock and was getting a great dividend. And she would not listen to my diversification. All of her money was in one stock and would bad. not listen to it. And I was like, I can't do anything about this. And she Sure enough, that was that was 2007 right. also, and her Washington Mutual was completely worthless a year later, and she had nothing. And very often in retirement, when we do a plan, it's like, okay, the, the objective is not to turn $3 million into $6 million. The objective is to have enough income from this portfolio and security and so forth so that we don't have to go back to work. We're trying to protect some of this. There, there needs to be a protection aspect to a diversified portfolio. And many, most portfolios I look at don't really have a protection aspect because you really can't do that on your own through the stock and bond market. So diversified investments, very, very important and also uncorrelated diversified investments that don't move lockstep with the market. Very important, and it is part of that Madrona 30-point analysis. By the way, if you'd like to get in on this 30-point analysis, no cost and no obligation, that number to call, you can do it right now, 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373. The next one, Brian, common retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make is not understanding how to pull income in retirement. Yeah, that's a big one because a lot of people just rely on, well, I've got a bunch of money in the stock market. I'll just pull it out of that. And as I mentioned, you know, let's say you retired, you started 2022 and you put your money into long-term bonds and stocks and NASDAQ and so forth. And then you pulled 5% out, say, and then you look at your account statement and you go, oh, I'm down 20% plus the five I took out. And I'm down 25% my first year out. Huh. That's a quarter of my retirement. I lost in the first year. I retired at 62 and I was 63. I, I lost a quarter of it. This ain't working. And then they pull the money out and then the market recovers and they, oh, I missed the recovery on the three quarters I had remaining. Now what? You know, it's not aligning again your investments with their objectives. The objectives definitely can change when you hit retirement. When you're 20, 30, 40 years old, growth is your primary objective of your investments. When you're retirement age, that shifts to cash flow first typically. Security second, growth third. You want to protect what you have, but you need money to spend. So understanding how to pull income in retirement is critical to a successful retirement. And it, again, it's not something that's easily done on your own as a do-it-yourself investor because you don't have access to the income paying products that we have access to and that we can put in your portfolio so that you can let your long-term investments ride if it's, there's a down market, which invariably there is at some point, and then take your cash flow from those investments designed to produce cash flow. So that's why it's super important to do a, a proper plan with a licensed financial advisor who has access and experience with all the different products that you need to have that plan. And you've also got pre-tax and after-tax and tax-free accounts. How much you pull from each account can affect your overall retirement. Next common retirement mistake that even well-informed people make is not planning for RMDs or required minimum distributions. 
Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for making that point, Jeff. I didn't get into the tax aspects. Of, right, of right. <laughs> the tax planning here, uh, tax-free, tax-deferred, uh, right. you know, after-tax, pre-tax, uh, where should I be taking money from? Someone asked me that question. I don't know, but I'll figure it out, me and my team, because I've got CPAs here. We have tax programs. We can run what-if scenarios. Uh, what if you do a Roth conversion? And what if you take money out of a this account versus that account? Do I take it out of my capital gains? I'm a non-qualified account. So I take it out of my qualified retirement accounts. Uh, what's my bracket? What's my projected bracket into the future? Uh, there's a lot that goes on there. It's Again, don't try this at home. It's, it's something that, <laughs> that uh, we understand and, and we want to help you effectively decide not only where to put the money, but which accounts is critical, which accounts to take out and take the money out of and when. And our next point is, is that also uh, not planning for required minimum distributions. So here's the issue. So some people have very large retirement accounts and they're going, they're bemoaning the fact that at age 73 or 74, whatever it is, they're going to have to start taking required minimum distributions and pay a whole bunch of income tax. And so they're not touching these accounts until they hit those ages. And then at those ages, they go, oh, wait a second, my required minimum distribution is enormous and it just popped me into a really high tax bracket. Yeah, that is the problem. What could have been done? Well, again, back to that point I was just making about analyzing current and future draws from the different accounts. If you know you have a great big retirement account, why wait and bunch it up? The IRS would love you to bunch up income. When you bunch up income in one year, they get it at a higher rate. If you spread it out over time, they get it at a lower rate. So to me, required minimum distribution planning should start early, not late. And so you can spread this out, spread it out over lower brackets, keep more money. Uh, IRS loses, you win. I always like that story. I'll, yeah, I'll go to too. that movie every every weekend. <laughs> every time, yeah. Oh, yeah. IRS loses, my taxpayer wins. Let me let me go to that show. Give me some popcorn, Jeff. I'm going to yeah. enjoy this one. I'll sign up for that every single day. Sure. So, um, yeah, so a lot of people don't even think about this, doing required minimum distribution planning before you hit that age if you have a large qualified account. And the next one, Brian, is going to be overspending in your early retirement years or not spending enough. You know, when you get into your early retirement years, hey, I'm retired. I've got this money. Boy, it is here burning a hole in my pocket. I'm going to buy anything and everything that I possibly can because every day is Saturday. I spend the most money on Saturday, but that is a big mistake, overspending in your early retirement years. Yeah, I, I've seen this with somebody who's doing their own financial plan, and I suspect they probably did it, and they go, huh, I want to spend more than that. Maybe I'll just up my uh, projected return on investment from, yeah. from 6 to, to 10. It's a way to <laughs> and, justify oh, okay, it. Now sure. I have a great retirement. Yeah, I'll justify yeah. it that way, but that's not very realistic. And so I won't spend a lot of time uh, talking about overspending in retirement years. I think most people that have a decent finances have it for a couple reasons. Uh, one is they work hard and another is they don't overspend because if you overspend you're probably not my client because <laughs> you don't have a lot of money to invest so right. you know, just how that works but not spending enough is a problem that's another one of those things what do you mean not spending enough and then i know i'll have it and i said well yeah but if you have a, a big nest egg and you're not spending money are you living the life you want to live and maybe you are maybe your lifestyle is inexpensive my dad liked to go to baseball games and he'd buy a cheap seat and and stand and watch from behind home plate, stand next to the trash can there at spring training. And that's right. what he liked to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he had a very inexpensive life and that was good for him. But for most of us, we want to have the ability to do what we want to do in our retirement years. And a lot of my clients, boy, I talk to them so much. We do the plans not only to make sure we're going to be okay, but also one of the interesting things that a financial plan can tell us that we do for our clients is how much you can spend in retirement. So they might say, well, I spend uh, 60000 a year. I say, well, that's true. But because of your investments, uh, based on my projection, you could spend 150000 a year and you'd be okay. And they're like, what? Yeah, you got 90000 a year of cushion. And so knowing that number is huge. So you mean I can take that trip and fly first class? Yes, yes, do that. And so knowing that is critical. And you just can't know that without doing a, a proper financial plan. 
We've been talking about retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. Our program, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. And we've been talking about this Madrona 30-point analysis, Brian, in which people can come in and sit down and have a consultation and go over these 30 points. And in order for people to get that, they've got to make a phone call. That number, and they can call it right now, is 833-673-7373. You can do it right now. Phone lines are open, 833-673-7373. And the Madrona 30-point analysis allows our advisors and our CPAs to help you make deliberate adjustments to your plan and portfolio that can help you sustain yourself and your wealth for 30-plus years. Now, you've got to have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify for this 30-point analysis, but those who do qualify, We'll be able to enjoy this conversational analysis intended to dynamically cover a wide range of topics based on your individual, your unique situation so that you can proactively adjust your financial plan and strategy to help avoid many of retirement's potential problems. And as a bonus, we're going to send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. So once again, that number 833-673-7373. It's 833-673-7373. And once again, you can do it right now. Brian, back to our conversation about retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. The next one is a big one, I think, and that is neglecting to plan for long-term care. Because I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to need that. But indeed, the stats show that you probably will. Yeah, statistically, more people need it than not at some point in their life. So there's three different ways to do it. You can do traditional long-term care where you send in a monthly check. You can do asset-based long-term care, which you send in a big check, but then it's there for you. And if you don't use it, often that that money can go back to your heirs later on. And then self-insuring. You just say, well, I'm going to pay for it out of my own pocket. So these are things we can look at. Uh, Traditional long-term care, the monthly one, has had a lot of bad stories. (laughs) Companies that just didn't make it. And so that can be an issue. Uh, If we do long-term care, I I don't recommend that. I I recommend asset-based if you can afford to do that. And some of my clients have enough money where they'll just self-insure, but uh, that's an analysis we can do. And back to the, I was talking about uh, people not spending enough money in retirement and why why we can do a financial plan to figure out how much you could spend. Another reason we do a financial plan, here's a common retirement mistake, is working too long Mm. and because you didn't have a financial plan. Because I can't tell you how many years people have been able to retire because they've done a financial plan with us. Because either that taxpayer or their spouse said, no, you got to keep working. What if we run out of money? We don't know. We just said, you know, and people are ah, miserable at my job. I wish I could retire, but we're nervous about running out of money. I said, well, let's just do a plan. What if, what if you retired today? What does that look like? And I show it to them. They go, you mean we'd be fine? I was going to work another five years. You just saved me five years of my life because we did this plan. Yeah. And you showed my spouse who wasn't believing. I told her I could, or him, or I could retire we'd be okay but they didn't believe me they said I, I needed to work five more years and now you're proving to us we don't have to live that kind of life so there's another big reason and it's something you can't do on your own off you can't convince your spouse without you know the numbers on paper coming from you know one of our licensed financial advisors and our next retirement mistake that many people neglect to really think about is not updating your estate planning documents this is all too common I think very common. So don't feel bad if you don't have them updated. Just get it done. Put it on your list. Get it done this fall. Whenever it is, just get it done. Get an updated will or living trust, durable power of attorney, and health care directive. And make sure in your will you've had a discussion, hopefully with us, about some of the what-ifs that can happen. Uh, doubling your tax-free exemption in the state of Washington for estate tax purposes or for federal tax purposes, having the proper language, having the proper trust and trustee uh, verbiage in your will or living trust to protect anybody that's inheriting that money. I've had this conversation just recently. Uh, They were going to leave it to their kids straight out, but their kid didn't have a great marriage. And we knew that basically you're leaving half of your estate to his future ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, is that what you want? Well, no. Okay. Well, then we need to just put some trust verbiage in there so the, and have someone else's trustee, et cetera, et cetera. I can go on and on. But just get your estate planning documents done well and get a good someone alongside. Again, that's something we can help with to make sure that all the what ifs are accounted for. And Brian, I know that you've had people bring in estate planning documents, wills, and so forth. And as you've said before, they're all crinkly, they're yellow. They look like the Declaration of Independence. I mean, they really haven't looked at these in years. 
years. You know, it yeah. says here you got two kids. Well, I've got four kids actually, and you know they <laughs> really six grandkids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that's common, and and it's yeah. not because it's not fun. I mean, how how fun? Oh, let, let me do some spend some money to get some documents to see what happens after I'm dead. You know, it's like wow, <laughs> that is not the funnest thing in the world. Oh, what if I'm incapacitated? Let, let's go through all those scenarios. What if I die young and and you might get remarried or oh boy boy that's a that's not a fun conversation either so i get it i get why it's not fun but it's right, critical but and if you've ever been an executor of an estate you know oh, how critical that yeah. is so how often should you take a look at those documents i mean it's got to be more frequently than once every 10 20 years Absolutely. It's more than that. And and so it should at least be done the one time when you when we have a new client, we take them through the 30-point plan, we go through all of this stuff. These are part of that 30-point analysis is making sure that you have your, your legacy and gifting plan put together properly. So we'll, we'll make sure it's recent at that time. And then going forward, you know, every few years uh, or anytime there's a big life change, basically, or health change or something like that, another good, good time to review it. But get it done now or come in and get your 30-point analysis, do the financial planning, get the investments right, and then get the legacy planning right too. So estate planning documents, very, very important and very important to have those up to date. Our next retirement mistake that even well-informed people make, Brian, is underestimating how long you're going to live. Yeah, I've got some, you know, I had one client uh, bringing his stuff in. His mom was 108. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, no, no, some people don't, but... You know, financial planning is about the second to die when I'm doing it for a couple, really. It's 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 for longevity. Financial planning is easy when there's not a lot of years to plan for. But for most of my clients, we don't know. We don't know how long they're going to live. So, you know, often we're talking about a 30-year retirement or more. And so we, we have to plan for that. And, and investments can run out if you're pulling money out of them. And that's why sequence of return risk, if you're just putting all your money in stock and bonds, you're just going to pull money out because you're going to live to be uh, actuarially, it says you're going to live to be 80 years old. And well, sure enough, you live to be 95. Well, Mm -hmm. how about that last 15 years? How was that funded? Oops. (laughs) There's no redos on that. You can't go back in time and fix what you didn't have. So that's where increasing lifetime cash flow type investments, different kinds of investments can be aligned again with the idea that you might be subject to longevity. Yeah, and it's very common these days for people to live well into their 80s. I mean, even into their 90s with improved medicine and things are only going to get better for that. And the worst thing that can happen is for you to be, as you said, to be 90 years of age and to not have any money. So that is very, very important. Underestimating how long you live. But of course, this is just an estimate. Nobody knows for sure. We're talking about common mistakes here that even well-informed people make. The 12th one on our list here, Brian, is going to be quitting your job before your retirement plan is fully funded. Yeah, the whole take this job and shove it thing happens sometimes <laughs> yeah. and people, you know, and they think, oh, I'll be fine. You know, how do you know that? Where's your plan? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I just I just didn't want to do that anymore. Okay, well, that's, that's your choice. But best to have a financial plan done. As I mentioned, very often when we do a financial plan, I'm able to give really awesome news to them that you can retire whenever you want. You've got enough money. You've got plenty of cushion, et cetera, et cetera. Once in a while, I do a plan for somebody and I go, yeah, you can't retire. you got to keep working. And here's how long you got to work. And that, that does happen, obviously. And, and so it can go either way. But, you know, knowing that is good to know. And that way you don't subject your 75, 80-year-old self to a very difficult life because you decided to retire three years earlier than you could. And you could have had that information if you'd gone through the, the process. Uh, our 30-point process would have told you that. And it's good information to know one way or the other. Can I retire? What, what's my retirement look like? Or is it too early to do that? Well, we're all human, Brian, and human beings make mistakes, and we try to learn from our mistakes, and we try to correct those mistakes. I would think that really the takeaway from this conversation is there are a lot of mistakes that even well-informed people can make, but if you're proactive, you probably can prevent most of these. Am I correct or not? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's about making as many proper decisions as you can and reducing the big mistakes. Big mistakes can cost you. They can right. cost you for the rest of your life. They can cost your spouse, your kids, your life, everything for the rest of your life. And so we're here to help try to navigate this without making that big mistake. And I think a big takeaway I'd like people to have here is no matter how much study and Google and how many books you read, you can't necessarily do this on your own. You can, but you don't have access to 
to what we have, uh, the product selection that you have to go through licensed financial advisors to get to do this, the experience level, uh, the tax knowledge, estate planning, whatever it is, the experience that we have just working with all the clients we do, our 30-point analysis. You could try, but I'm pretty sure you don't have that for the most part if you're doing it yourself or if you have another advisor. Most of our clients really have another advisor, but they're just not getting this depth of analysis and they're listening to that going, wow, I don't have any of these conversations with my advisor. Maybe it's time to think about shifting gears, you know, pivoting uh, from where we're at to something much more inclusive so we can have a successful retirement. Brian, we have covered a lot on today's show. Can you recap for us, for those people who have just joined us, some of these common retirement mistakes? Yeah, today's show is 12 common retirement mistakes even well-informed individuals make. The first one we, we talked about was claiming Social Security too early or just not doing a proper analysis of that. There's a lot that goes into that decision, and you can make big mistakes by taking it and going back to work. Continuing to work after claiming Social Security early, again, you got to pay it back and you, and you don't get the raises going forward. Carrying debt into retirement or paying debt off when you retire. Having the right kind of debt. There's good debt and bad debt. We talked about that. Uh, being too conservative or too aggressive in the market. And being too conservative is something I see quite often because people uh, lose opportunity when they, they actually had time and didn't align their investments to their objectives. Failing to be absolutely diversified in the way we define diversification. Uh, not understanding how to pull income in retirement. Again, not aligning your investments to your cash flow needs. Uh, not planning for required minimum distributions early enough. Don't let it just sneak up on you and have uh, put you in a higher bracket all at once. Uh, overspending in your early retirement years or not spending enough. That actually can be a problem. Neglecting to plan for your long-term care is one of our points. Not updating your estate planning documents. Underestimating how long you will live. And finally, quitting your job before your financial plan is funded. So those are our 12 uh, common retirement mistakes we went over today and are inclusive within our 30-point analysis. And Brian, if people would like to have their 30-point analysis, once again, the phone lines are open right now for you to call 833-673-7373 to get that Madrona 30-point analysis. No cost and no obligation for that. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. You can also request your Madrona 30-point analysis online by going to madronafinancial.com. That is madronafinancial.com. And once again, if you've missed any part of the show today or you want to hear it all over again, we are a podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcast. You're going to see this show along with all the others. Simply search for Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. We've got a lot of shows up there. I think there are north of 400 shows on our podcast platform. Well, Brian, unfortunately, we're out of time for this week. I'm going to thank you for your time. But of course, most of all, I think thank our wonderful, great listeners here in the Puget Sound for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a Profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans. 